Hi, I'm Tiffany. And I'm Lindsay. And this is Luminol, Luminol Cocktail. Cocktail. First things first, we want to wish you guys a happy new year. Happy new year! <laughs> it's not 2020 anymore. Well, it still is when we're <laughs> recording this, but we are hopeful for the future. Yes. Yes, indeed. This actually goes up on the, I believe, January 1st. Hey. So we're really starting off strong for 2021. Uh, 17 days before my birthday. Not yes. that I'll be counting down at that point or anything. <laughs> You're already counting Fuck down? Yeah. <laughs> of course I am. Like, I like it. There is less than a month before my birthday. Like when January hits, I'm like, mm, it's my birthday month. Do you have any plans for your birthday? Eat a lot of Chinese food. I like it. There is this restaurant that delivers to our house. Mm-hmm. And it has the most amazing pansit. Anytime we're like, what are we going to have for dinner? I'm like, we could have pansit. And I'm like, I know we shouldn't because we're trying to like be financially smart and like functional adults and shit. And we should make dinner at our own house. But I'm like, boy, I could make dinner, but also I could order pansit too. I could yeah. do both of those things. I'm a, uh, I, I'm, I th- so I always thought my favorite food was Italian or Mexican. I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure it's Asian food is my favorite. I love, like, <laughs> any type of Asian food, like, just. Yeah, that's what I said, just Asian food, just sushi. All of it. <laughs> I love sushi. I love noodle dishes. I love fried rice. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, I want to learn how to make uh, dumplings. Yeah. Also, I think in a lot of ways, like. There are a lot more healthy options for you. Yeah. And Asian cuisines, like, it is infinitely healthier to eat, like, steamed vegetables and some rice than it is to eat, like, a huge bowl of pasta with cheese. And I mean, that also sounds good, though. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm going to stop eating Italian food. I'm just saying. That's funny. It's much more easy to rationalize eating Chinese food. Or any type of Asian food, really. Yeah, I if we get Chinese food, I get dumplings. I get, like, all appetizers. I get dumplings yeah. and then the, like, uh, what is it? Crab rangoon. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe if I'm extra hungry, I'll get, like, chicken and broccoli. <laughs> but nice. I'm I mostly mean, eating appetizers. Like, this week, the week that we're recording this is actually, like, Christmas week. And mm-hmm. for Christmas, we're not going to anybody's house we're turning our house into a movie theater essentially that's fun and buying an absurd amount of snacks and then he was like well we're gonna need real food and i was like chinese food yeah it's perfect (laughs) they deliver exactly he's like we can't and it lasts you know it's not like a one and that it's like it reheats good exactly (laughs) you better believe i will order like double the amount of food i normally do too so that i can eat it all day and and you all are drinking correct yes yes that's fun i'm excited that sounds really nice. I'm going to Florida. <laughs> so. That sounds nice as well. Everybody's just getting out of town for, like, the holidays. And I'm like, well, here we are. Well, I do it because once me and Alex have kids, I won't I won't be able to go right. as easily. So I'm just... Do it as much as you can now. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so I can go home and visit my family and be there for the holidays. Also, once I have kids, I'm going to want them to be able to have Christmas in their own house and right. all that. Like, do yeah. the whole climb out of your bed on Christmas yeah. morning that I'm... Although, I want to have Christmas Walmart. breakfast. No one, no one does that. Like we do presents and stuff. Like I want to do like big, big breakfast. I really just want cinnamon rolls. Yeah, those are good. Like my mom makes the best fucking cinnamon rolls, but she makes the dough in a bread machine, 
and I don't oh, yeah. have a bread machine. Oh, well. And so every time I've tried to recreate it, she was like, well, you could do it in a mixer, but like also I don't have a stand mixer. All mm-hmm. I have is a hand mixer, yeah. which doesn't work. Like it can't mix no. dough. No. <laughs> and so the, the, recipe, the recipe she follows actually is like not to be used in a bread machine and is to be like mixed by hand. But it just, just, just doesn't turn out right. And I just... It's not the same, and if it's not the same, I'm not fucking doing it. Yeah, uh, Alex wants to, well, because we might do the whole lockdown thing again. Right. January, late January, whatever it is. Right. We'll just start the whole 2020 year over again. (laughs) Hit that reset button real quick, though. Alex wants to make bread, and I was like, okay, well, let me get some yeast now, because come lockdown, there won't be any. There will be none. (laughs) Which is what happened last lockdown, because I was like, oh, I want to make bread. That sounds fun. Yeah. I haven't made bread in, in a while. No yeast. You can't, yeah, and I'm like, I'm not making my own, so. God. It's like, it's like something in water, but you have to let it sit forever, and I was like, I don't have time for that, like, no, that's, that's disgusting. I don't like doing stuff like that, like, when I lived in Oklahoma, a couple people I knew actually would do their own homemade kombucha. Mmm. Bold. Fuck no. (laughs) They would just have these giant jars. Yeah. Of stuff. On the kitchen counter, and it looked like a rotten, Mm -hmm. and, like, you unscrewed it, and it made the whole kitchen smell terrible. And I'm like, this is fucking actually the worst. I want my kitchen to smell good. Right. (laughs) And they're like, well, you know, it's a small price to pay because you're making it homemade. And I was like, yeah, cool. This bitch doesn't have enough ventilation for that. Could we not? So, do you have any goals or things you're excited for in 2021? I got a couple irons in the fires for things I could potentially be excited about um, that I'm not totally speaking about yet, but I think as times get closer, like, yeah, I do have some personal goals, some business goals. Do you have anything you can speak about that you're excited for? I want to go – I am excited because I'm having my MRI. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For my hand. That's exciting. That, in case you've forgotten – The final chapter of 2020. Was injured. (laughs) October 9th, I think. Jeez. It was either the 3rd or the 9th. It is December 20th. So I'm getting my MRI tomorrow, but then I don't get my results of the MRI until the 31st. Mm. So literally every day of 2020 is going to be in this brace. And maybe I'll start the new year with a functioning hand. Maybe I'll start the new year getting hand surgery. I don't know. I'm just excited that... Like, after an MRI, there's no more imaging that they can do. Yeah. So we're either going to know. Like, it's going to be one way or the other. So I'm excited that in 2021, my hand is going to be either getting fixed or it's going to be fine. I don't really care which at this point. (laughs) If it needs to get fixed, it's getting fixed. And if not, oh, well. I'll get to start using it again, and I'm excited about it. I'm super hyped for that. That's exciting. I think Mm -hmm. the only thing I have plans for is I have a concert. In 2021. I don't know if it'll get canceled again, but it's like in April. Nice. We have a travel credit through JetBlue that I think we have to like see if we can get it extended potentially Mm. because it's only good until June. When that happened, I was like, sure, by June of next year, that shouldn't be a problem. But now I'm kind of like, feels like it's going to be a problem. I feel like maybe I should get that changed. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, I want to travel next year. We could probably could. I mean, you could go, like you did with the Tennessee thing, get Airbnb 
Yeah. I want, but I want to like. I mean, I just have to be Tennessee. I was just for example. I know. I just want to do <laughs> go somewhere and do something and all the places I can go and do. Like, I want to go to Disney World. I don't. I mean, I do, but I, do. I don't. I do. My aunt, <laughs> my aunt went a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I'm sure it was great. Oh, they're like. Oh, it was magical. <laughs> my uncle, who is like very like safety. Yeah. Minded was like. I wasn't going to do it, and I talked to a couple people who had went, and so we just went ahead and bit the bullet and did it. He's like, and that was one of the best Disney trips we've ever had because there was nobody in the park. He's like, they're keeping it such low numbers. He's like, and it's like we had an additional person in our group because there was basically like someone always behind us cleaning up wherever Mm -hmm. we were at, anything we touched, anything. Like if we sat down, someone, by the time we were getting up to walking off, like somebody else was already like spraying disinfectant and shit. Hmm. So they're being very thorough. So I want to go to Disney World. You have a, you have a boyfriend that supports your traveling desires. I do not. He does. (laughs) I also want to go to New York, but that's really not. I always thought I was an uh, an introvert. It it appears I am not. (laughs) I'm an extrovert. I'm kind of in between. You didn't know an introvert was until you met Alex. (laughs) At least when it comes to traveling, because holy shit. The thing is, like, he has taken the most, like, trips with me than any other person. Yeah. So I'm like, I want to go and do things and right. see things. And... Our next plan for next year is to keep doing the podcast. That's the other plan. Absolutely. Season three. Yeah. Is going to be in 2021. Yeah, potentially even season four. Which is insane. How, how long of a break we take. Right. <laughs> I need to start thinking of new ideas. Holy fuck. <laughs> Feel free to send us ideas <laughs> if there are any topics you want covered. And let me tell you what, our ideas are very broad. They are. Well, it's easier. It is because... They're like specific but broad at the same time. I was going to say, whatever. it's like here's a theme, here's a vibe. Like, for instance... One of our past episodes, like, it was literally wilderness, yeah. which I think we introduced. It was The theme was wilderness, which is, like, a very broad topic when you look at it in the mindset of, like, you covered phenomena, like, creepy shit that happens yeah. in the wilderness. And I covered a guy who pushed his wife off a cliff. I mean... But... You it make narrows, what you will of it. Right. But it narrows it down just enough that we're not just... Doing some random ass shit. Yes, there's a theme. What is our theme today? Oh, getting right on into the case file. Okay, so the theme for today, I believe, is asylums, correct? Yes. Yes. Good, because that's what I have prepared, so I'm going to agree with you. (laughs) Yes, and I have a fun quote for that, which is, A casual stroll through the lunatic asylum shows that faith does not prove anything. By, I'm going to go with Frederick Reek Nietzsche. I was gonna say it's like Friedrich Nietzsche. I think. I don't know. I only took one psychology class. I'm sure you know more than I do about that. Um, I don't know who that is. Um, what? Yeah. No. How? I haven't. I did go to community college for my degree. <laughs> that were. At I spent least... a lot of time with what's his fucking face. The one where like everything is connected to your. Childhood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with that guy. <laughs> yeah. I think that guy was the one who was like, everything is sexual. Mm. I think Nietzsche is everything sexual, I think. I don't know. I haven't gotten there. Although I do have a, a sex therapy class. Oh, boy. In my, now that I'm switching, I'm back in psychology, so I'm excited. All right. That's not till 
think next winter, but yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear what comes out of that fucking class. (laughs) In case you now wanted to get into uh, sex therapy, you know what I mean? Nice. That's a thing. Um, The drink we have tonight is a black walnut old-fashioned. Which I am posting slash have posted. Let me just check it. Make sure I hit the post button on our Instagram. I super didn't, so I'm hitting the post button right now. So you can see a picture of it on our Instagram. It looks beautiful. Nicely done, Lindsay. Thank you. You're a great bartender. It's my new goal. (laughs) Self-made bartender over here. I love it. Uh, So I decided to cover the, I think it's Athens? Yes. Athens Lunatic Asylum, which this is actually in Ohio. I didn't know there was an Athens, Ohio, but apparently there is. I have more reason to go to Ohio. (laughs) She just had the first sip of her drink for the day. I mean, it's not the first drink of the day because we no, no. did shots with breakfast. Well, you know what I mean, though. Yeah. Of, of this. This is a, uh, I mean, it's, it's bourbon. It's bourbon. It's bourbon. I don't it's know if you guys favorite. knew this about me, <laughs> but I am a tequila drinker. You are. Don't worry. Tequila will be featured. I know. Yeah. I know. Tequila's coming back. It is coming. Don't worry. But like, Lindsay likes like bourbon and whiskey, and so we're trying to make it fair. So I think she's going to like this one. And it's a, it's a good drink. It's just... Not my cup of tea. Is it really strong? Yes. Okay. There's supposed to be two different kinds of liquor, but I had to switch out one liquor for bitters mm-hmm. instead because I couldn't justify buying two expensive bottles of that alcohol. That makes sense. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's good. Like, this tastes it's like It's all some, bourbon in there. <laughs> this tastes like something you would get at a bar. Yay! So, it's good. It's just not my. It's not what you would order at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> not exactly my drink, but I'm going to drink it. Well, thank you. Okay, back to this. Sorry. I have another reason to go to Ohio. So you got the ugly tuna. Saluna. Yeah, and then you have this. Nice. Yes. Um, so this asylum operated from 1874 to 1993, and it was later renovated into what is now known as the Ridges at Ohio University. Oh. Yeah. They've, um, I believe the asylum was like, I don't know who was running at the same time as this university, but... They had, like, a bunch of buildings, and they just slowly renovated them all into, like, different buildings for classes and stuff like that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So over the years, the asylum treated tens of thousands of patients with over 1,800 patients buried in the cemeteries on the ground with tombstones marked with numbers instead of names. They did go back and fix this because they kept record of all of the, like, numbers to names. Yeah. Uh, the university has since, like, reached out to family members and gotten, like, bodies have been moved to, like, yeah. cemeteries that like, with their family and stuff like that. But some still are marked with just numbers. I was going to say, there was a couple of them that I was reading about that they did that. And I was like, that shit's fucked, guys. Yeah. At least they kept record of, like, yeah, at the, least they kept the record. name to number. <laughs> Um, it was not a fully self-sustaining facility, but for decades, the hospital had livestock, farm fields, gardens, and even, like, an orchard. Uh, majority of the workload to maintain the facility was carried out by patients, as skilled labor was seen as a form of therapy, and it also was helpful to the asylum itself. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I don't I don't recommend that as therapy, personally. <laughs> What? You mean you know. they shouldn't be working full work days, whether they're for therapy, like intensive inpatient therapy? Personally, it's not what? one I would recommend. <laughs> Maybe as like a hobby, You're get just, a garden. <laughs> just too modern, Lindsay. <laughs> I'm too progressive. 
So mental health care underwent major changes in the 1950s as more research revealed the lack of danger the mentally ill posed. Additionally, the public became aware of harsh procedures such as electroshock therapy and lobotomies, which have since become cruel, unnecessary, and inhumane. With progressive therapies and accessibility of psychoactive drugs, the need for prison-like institutions has since died, basically. However, I wanted to dive deeper into some of these outdated practices and how they were practiced at Athens Lunatic Asylum. The first form of therapy is hydrotherapy. And hydrotherapy is actually something that is actually still... Pro- I actually shouldn't say that. All of these things are still practiced. It's that, that they're... Practiced differently. In a controlled environment and better understood. However, hydrotherapy is the one that's most commonly practiced outside of asylums, and it's just taking a bath. So anytime you're in a bath, it's hydrotherapy. That shit's relaxing as fuck. Basically, yeah. But there are some serious differences. Um, this type of therapy was thought to be used in two ways. Shower or bath, and was actually conducted in ponds, fountains, and even the sea until the spread of asylums. Mm-hmm. So it was public. Public form of therapy. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at that point, it was moved indoors with elaborate devices built for the purpose of hydrotherapy. This included cold shower rooms, bath boxes, and dunking devices. Which they have bath boxes in Scream Queens. Yes. Yeah, this, you can also see, like, more extreme versions of this in Nurse Ratched also. Mm. Yeah. In in that one, though, it's, like, depicted as, like, you're boiling alive. Yeah. Which technically is kind of true, but at first, like, the normal, it's, like, you transfer from, like, hot bath to cold, but, like, an ice bath. Yeah. The water temperature, though, is no different than what you currently would put in, like, your bathtub. It shouldn't be anything. Right. Like, maybe five degrees, like, like higher in temperature but that's about it right um you shouldn't be boiling people's skins off no no i'm sure some asylums did that but they probably didn't keep records of it for I was obvious say, reasons I think they lost those records <laughs> yeah so the most common practice form of hydrotherapy is continuous bath and this is when the patient was strapped into a tub with a canvas sheet covering the bath allowing just their head to poke out and the bath itself could last for several hours to several days oh fuck no yeah and I'm assuming they probably weren't allowed out. I, probably not. I don't know, though. That's too much. Every every asylum's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. The next one is electroshock therapy, which, again, like I said, it's still practice. It's just that it has uh, – where you're not awake and <laughs> you're numb. And it's small electric currents passing through the brain, intentionally triggering a brief seizure. So it is conducted in a controlled setting with intentions to achieve beneficial results for patients with fewest possible risks. That wasn't the case back in the day. During the time Athens Lunatic Asylum was running, electroshock therapy included high doses of electricity to to be administered without any kind of, I mean... Any, any numbing agent of any kind, right, whether, like, like, putting you to sleep or numbing you, that wasn't a thing. Right, like, people were literally strapped to chairs. Yes. Also, like, I believe now you're also giving, like, muscle, muscle relaxers. relaxers. Yeah, so you don't have further damage. That wasn't, that wasn't administered back then either. And mouth guards, <laughs> so that you don't bite your fucking tongue. Yeah, um, so that led to pretty horrific side effects, such as memory loss and fractured bones. Yep. Back in the day. Well, because your muscles, like, if you're having muscle spasms mm-hmm. because of it, like, your muscle spasms can break your bones. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is insane. A very, very aggressive form of conversion therapy. Thank you. Conversion therapy is what I was looking for. <laughs> um... The last thing I think I talk about is lobotomies. At Athens, Dr. Freeman performed more than 200 frontal lobotomies 
at the state hospital in seven visits between 1953 Fuck. and 1957. In seven visits. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yep. Uh, he began performing these operations with the help of a neurosurgeon. However, Dr. Freeman became became frustrated with the operation's limitations, so in 1946, he developed an alternative procedure which could be performed more quickly outside an operating room and without, again, any kind of numbing agents mm-hmm. by using electroconvulsive therapy to produce drugless. You're, looking, you're making a face like you don't like this. <laughs> I'm just like, that's my what the fuck face. (laughs) That's just where I'm at right now. Yeah, so to put you under, we're going to give you high doses of electroshock therapy, and then I'm going to give you lobotomy. That makes sense. That math definitely adds up, (laughs) she said sarcastically. So this procedure was performed by Dr. Freeman in state hospitals nationwide that were severely understaffed. Go figure. He managed to operate on his entire caseload in just one day, charging $25 per patient for his services. I give a quick recap of what a lobotomy is. If you don't want to hear what a lobotomy is, I suggest skipping forward about 30 seconds because it's going to be real quick. do the thing real quick. Uh, So the upper eyelid is lifted. A long metal pick is inserted between the eyeball and the eyelid, and then the pick is pounded through the bony roof of the eye socket and thrusted into the brain case, entering the frontal lobe. Once this step was done, Dr. Freeman made sweeping movements using the outer ends of the picks as handles. This severed and destroyed the frontal lobes. Alex said I should play I should play um the sound of someone bottom me. Get fucked. Uh yeah. The first patient of the asylum was a 14-year-old girl believed to be possessed by a demon. In reality, it was epilepsy, not demonic de- possession, basically. Mm-hmm. Sadly, epilepsy was considered a major cause of insanity and reason for admission to the hospital in its earliest years. In fact, the first annual report lists 31 men and 19 women as having their insanity caused by epilepsy. Other ailments such as menopause, substance addiction, and tuberculosis mm-hmm. uh, were also cause for enrollment in the hospital as well. And, of course, there's always the fun where you can just be dropped off because... I was going to say, if you're married, (laughs) here's my wife going to get a new model. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's always fun. I believe there were some cases where people were in the asylum due to uh, masturbation causing their insanity. Yeah. Yeah, you know? Totally insane. (laughs) Totally. In 1977... The asylum made headlines when it housed Billy Milligan, a multiple personality rapist, if I'm not mistaken. Have you ever heard of this person? No. I've never heard of this person until I found this research. So while preparing for his defense, psychologists diagnosed Milligan with multiple personality disorder, which Billy has, like, had suffered from since early childhood, according to these doctors. Billy was the first person diagnosed with this disorder to raise such a defense, and he was the first person acquitted for a major crime for it as well. All right. Yeah. Milligan bounced around a few different state-run hospitals, including this one, and it was reported that he had 10 different personalities. Later, it was reported 14 more personalities known as the undesirables were discovered. Oh. Yes. That's not great. Yeah. But we can definitely look into him a little bit more later on. Fuck yeah. (laughs) In the following year, uh, once again, they met headlines 
when a patient, Margaret, I think it's Schilling, mm-hmm. disappeared on December 1st, 1978. Apparently, and this I don't know how factual this is, the nurses and some of the patients were playing a game of hide-and-seek when the nurses became distracted and simply forgot to look for Margaret until the following day when they realized she wasn't in her room. That's fucking rude. <laughs> I mean, first of all, why are they playing hide-and-seek? Like, but also, even if you are, that's just rude. That's like some schoolyard bully <laughs> shit. Like, we're going to play hide-and-seek. You go hide and we'll find you. Haha, <laughs> we're not going to. Well, apparently they got distracted. Bitches. Uh, it wasn't until January 12th of 1979, 42 days later, that her body was discovered in a locked, long-abandoned ward by a maintenance worker. Tests revealed that Schilling died of heart failure, but her body was found completely naked with her clothing folded next to her body. It's most likely she died of hypothermia. Yeah. You know? Wicked cold. Yeah, super cold. And also, they uh, this was an abandoned part of the ward, so probably wasn't getting any heat anyways, if there was heat to give. Yeah. You know, just wasn't getting there. Uh, this is still well discussed, since her body left behind a permanent stain from the uh, decomp. Nice. I saw that while I was doing my research. I was like, damn, Lindsay got a good one. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you pick your cases early. It's true. <laughs> um, a clear imprint of her hair and body can still be seen on the floor, even though numerous attempts have been made to remove it. And her butt. Well, yes. I mean, those butt prints, you know, they're those important. Those butt prints are important. <laughs> this asylum became overrun like many did. In some cases, a nurse was in charge of 50 patients, which causes a decline in the quality of treatment administered. In these scenarios, restricted patients carved messages on the windowsills of the rooms. One carving reads, I was never crazy. This asylum, after multiple name changes, officially closed its doors in 1993 and stood vacant for many years before being renovated in 2001, where the property was changed to the Ridges. It now houses music, geology, biotechnology offices and storage facilities, as well as the Kennedy Museum of Art. Other um, hospital buildings were modeled... And put to use by the university, but many are still abandoned. However, on the campus, there is a building titled The Exhibit, which includes asylum artifacts, oral histories from doctors, employees, former patients, and their families. There's also a lobotomy pick um, once used to subdue as many as 20 patients in a single day. And an early electroshock therapy machine uh, on display as well. You can visit this place at any time because it's a museum. Mm-hmm. And also in October, they offer guided tours because it's uh, supposed that it's haunted by patients such as Margaret Schilling. Mm. And one October, they actually had to like close down the tours because it was just so crazy and popular. Uh, but now I want to go there because not only do they have really, they have a they have a haunted tour, but they have really cool stuff. Right. They also have <laughs> cool shit. So, I love it. Yeah. So that's my very quick um deep dive on uh this asylum nice yeah so yeah the doctor who did lobotomies at your hospital dr friedman dr friedman is originally from danvers oh yeah he's he's the dude that's where he was traveling from i like it my research was like yeah he just kind of bounced around yeah he did some shit there was an article i found and they're like from the time and it was like our very own Dr. Friedman is pioneering this. And I'm like, oh, fuck you guys. Lobotomies are still performed, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But I think they're done like... They're done for different reasons. They'll do them in seizure patients. Yeah. It's like for very specific reasons to benefit the patient. Right. These lobotomies back in the day and like the worst asylums were done to subdue patients. <laughs> and right. make them like vegetables. And did you know like the reason why they have the pick 
is because there was another way to do them with drilling, but he was like, nah, this takes too long. But that's also covered in Nurse Ratched, and I couldn't watch that scene because the drilling was fine. I don't... Once it showed the, the new way to do lobotomies, I was like, no, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Let me verbally describe it to you. If you want to see a, a, a depiction of it in real time, go watch that episode. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure it's called Ice Pick. Jesus so. Christ. <laughs> it's gross. Cool. The sounds. Oh. Don't love that. Haunts me. <laughs> I like wake up in the middle of the night to an ice pick sound. God, no. <laughs> that's my that's my horror movie. That's my hell, actually. Welcome. Performing lobotomies. Welcome to hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Today, I'm going to talk about the Danvers State Hospital. Woo. It was in a suburb of Danvers called Hathorn Hill, which, fun fact, is where former Salem witch trial judge John Hathorne lived. That's how oh. it got its name. Had a dude who where, was a piece of shit. Massachusetts. Okay, that's why I figured. I just wanted to clarify. Yep, it was in Massachusetts. So it was initially designed and opened in the late 1800s as the State Lunatic Hospital at Danvers. And they admitted their first patient on May 13th, 1878. In 1898, it was renamed the Danvers Insane Hospital before being renamed a final time as the Danvers State Hospital, which was yeah. which happened in 1909. I think they all went from insane or lunatic to just the state hospital. Just the hospital. We're modern now. <laughs> We're with the time. We're progressive. We've moved. <laughs> the main hospital was designed in the shape that actually looked like, from the top, it was supposed to look like a bat in flight, which was like kind of badass, but also a little creepy. Why? <laughs> So supposedly the design was to help like breeze flow through the building oh, okay. more evenly. There was an actual reason. Yeah, it was designed by a guy named Thomas Kirkbride, who was an advocate for mental health reform, hmm. who believed in compassion care and treatment of those suffering from mental illness. Part of it was individual personalized care for each person there. Yeah, and that was rooted in the design of the hospital, essentially. Yeah, because yeah, the design helped the breeze flow through, but also then. It allowed for more windows so that the patients would be able to see the outside world and not be trapped in just, like, like an interior thing. And also not forced to, like, manual labor. Exactly. (laughs) Because of Thomas Kirkbride's theories, it was designed with individual private rooms also, so it wasn't, like, dormitory style. Basically, it was just supposed to be a better way of caring for people who were there for treatment. At its most spacious... The hospital had a total of 40 buildings and could house a maximum of 450 patients. Which, when you say 40 buildings and 450 people, that's like, you're like, this ratio seems a little weird. But you have to remember that this was actually a hospital that was fully Mm self-sufficient. So there were a lot of, like, infrastructure that needed to be housed. Um, Like, they even had their own reservoir and everything. Like, their own private water source. So, yeah. Also, the style of patient care was such that they were just super mindful of patient-to-staff ratio, Mm -hmm. which led them to having really fantastic patient care at that time. That's nice. Yeah. But part of the problem was because it was essentially too good. Mm -hmm. By the 1900s, they treated over 9,500 patients. And with people becoming aware of the level of care that was given at Danvers, they wanted their own family members treated there. So in spite of what was deemed the maximum ideal capacity, more patients began being admitted. Over a 20-year span, they grew from having 450 patients at a time to having more than 2,000. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
And the, their staff of 125 people did not grow yeah, Let's to do match. that math real fast. Right. <laughs> How many patients per staff member? Not enough. <laughs> you also have to think about that staff also includes the fact that not all of those were oh, patient yeah. care staff yeah, members. Yeah. Those were <laughs> If we were just admitted. looking at it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can imagine. Real bad side effects. Mm-hmm. Not, not fun times. By the 1930s, they were also suffering from a pretty severe lack of funding. And patient care, which was the thing they were most known for, like we alluded to, suffered drastically. The rooms and halls that were intended to be private, they basically just were shoving more and more people in there. And it became the norm for patients to be walking around dirty or even nude because Mm -hmm. there wasn't enough staff to make sure that patients that needed help with personal hygiene were actually being helped. So people would go days in between being bathed, making sure that they were eating appropriately, and the hospital turned from a top-of-the-line mental health facility to just, like, another understaffed, underfunded bad time. There are actually reports you can find on danversstatehospital.org um, about, like, abuse reports. Like, oh, okay. there was – they have a lot of reports about everything. You can actually see scanned in patient documents and everything. But they do have a specific patient abuse report of how, like, they had one of the staff members – had multiple counts of patient abuse. Like, mm. he, there was a patient who was in four-point restraints who tried to, like, get up. Oh, okay. And this orderly, I guess, like, took his knee, like, jumped up and used his knee on this guy's chest to shove him back down on the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were multiple, like, instances of this one person doing those multiple things, and they got multiple reports, but it wasn't until they had, like, four or five people come forward. They were like, okay, sure, now we can fire you. Yeah. After all these instances of abuse where, like, supervisors told you to stop doing what you were doing, and then you just kept fucking doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't really, like, have any um, access to those because they're all, like, at the university. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I tried tried seeing if I could get them through my um, school. Yeah. I should, like, look them up, but I couldn't find them in any of them, so. Yeah, no, I didn't even know that they had a website. Yeah. Like, that Danvers had a website. Like, I saw some things about it online that essentially made me want to – investigate it some more and then mm-hmm. i found one particular story that i'm going to cover in this whole thing um but then i found that website and i was like ah fuck yeah yeah that's, that's helpful cool. so in 1946 a new type of therapy was introduced okay. as we know as we've briefly briefly touched on dr friedman who <laughs> traveled to the athens asylum was doing lobotomies there. He was from Danvers initially, so he was also doing them there. And everywhere else. And all over the <laughs> damn place. Anybody who would apparently give him $25 for a patient, he would do the thing. Danvers also practiced insulin coma therapy, which I had never heard of. No, I have not either. Until doing this research. I don't think I have, at least. So what it is, is something that would take place actually over the course of several weeks And what they do is dose patients starting with very small doses of insulin. Mm -hmm. And they would eventually ramp up the dosage of insulin until the person's body could no longer function. And they would slip into a coma. That's an excellent form of therapy. They would just put them into a diabetic coma. (laughs) They would stay in the coma until they were given a dose of glucose, which would allow their body systems to essentially begin to function again. Like, this is a very basic explanation, but I won't 
bother you guys with the science. Essentially, they gave them some shots until they fell asleep and fell yeah, into but a coma. Yeah, doesn't that cause, like, long-term? Yes. Yeah. So, supposedly, like, you get your insulin. I would love to hear the science behind this. You go into a coma, <laughs> and then after X amount of time or whatever, you're given glucose to come out of your coma. But there were cases where the patients did not recover and remained in a coma until they died or Mm -hmm. people who stayed in a coma for an extended period of time and had to have long-term care. The theory was that it could be curative to schizophrenia patients. The caveat was it could only be effective if this person was having their first, like, schizophrenic episode. So if they just started showing symptoms, you could do this. Or if they were really, really, like, showing severe symptoms, you could do this therapy and it would potentially make the symptoms less. Mm -hmm. This makes so much sense. Yeah, the idea was that they would supposedly (laughs) undergo, like, a personality shift while in a coma. I was reading a thing about it, essentially. I just, I I, It was an old journal entry, I think, from, like, an old medical journal, which Mm -hmm. we'll link And the guy was like, I didn't believe this could work, but then I saw it work for myself, and so now I believe in it. And I'm like, you're a piece of fucking shit, but okay. I mean, there's, I mean, okay, there's some kind of science there, right? I mean, the science of putting people into a diabetic coma, sure. I mean, that's gonna be something that's probably practiced today of some sort, right? I mean, you can put people into a medically induced thing. I was gonna say, like, you can put people into a medically induced coma, but for other things, like, mm. for example, um, patients suffering from heart disease or lung disease, they can be put into a medically induced coma so that, like, their body has time to heal. Or mm-hmm. honestly, anybody who's suffering from major injuries can be put into a medically induced coma so that their body has to, like, function minimally yeah. while they're recovering. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's, it's still a thing, but it's not really done in that way, to my knowledge, because that's I mean, obviously it's not treating dangerous. schizophrenia, also. And, right, also, it's not used to treat <laughs> these things. I just, I, had, I just didn't know if it was, like, uh, mine were, like, yeah, all of these are still practiced, but, like, it's more no. controlled and... <laughs> Eventually, schizophren- uh, insulin coma therapy was phased out mm. as a treatment for schizophrenia once medications became more widely available yeah. and studied. But it was a thing for a while. Billy Milligan should have gone over there. I guess so. Fuck. <laughs> he wasn't schizophrenic, but... <laughs> It'd be fine. You know, I mean... It's like, out with multiple personalities. It's like ketchup. It's good on everything. <laughs> yeah. no. So he was a rapist. No. Like, okay. A DMSO. DMSO is good on everything. Maybe they should have given him some DMSO. <laughs> Anyways. It was the year after insulin coma therapy was introduced in 1947 that a woman named Marie Balter was admitted for care. Marie Rose Balter was essentially an orphan. Her mother was a single woman who suffered from alcoholism, which led to her giving up Marie. She was a very young child and spent the early part of her life bounced around in the foster care system Mm -hmm. until she was adopted by Jack and Acursia Balter, which, like, is kind of a badass name. (laughs) But they were kind of shitty people. They abused her both physically and mentally, so she developed severe anxiety and depression, which was noticed while she was at boarding school at the age of 17. Mm. It wasn't until later in her life she was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, which was recurrent and severe with psychotic features. She was also diagnosed with panic disorder later in life. Yeah, that all makes sense. Especially since she was abandoned. Yep. 
She was admitted to Danvers at the age of 17. Unfortunately, at first, she was misdiagnosed as having schizophrenia. Luckily, she was not treated with insulin coma therapy. Thank God. It landed her on a list for a new experimental antipsychotic drug. Oh. Yeah. Which was administered to her at almost lethal doses. Right? Yeah. (laughs) We're doing better. (laughs) Yeah. She eventually slipped into a catatonic state that the doctors thought she wouldn't recover from. They're like, well, basically, this is her life laying in bed, not responsive, not doing jack shit. But eventually she did recover, and by the time she was 18, her birth mother found her and signed her out of Danvers. Yay! Well, no. Damn it. Too early for yay. Life with a birth mother was not great. She was still a terrible alcoholic who had financial problems and was not in any condition to be taking care of anyone. So Marie returned to Danvers voluntarily. We could have gone anywhere. Could have gone anywhere. She had nowhere and knew nobody. She was allowed to finish school while she was in treatment at Danvers. So she did have a high school diploma. Yeah. But she didn't know anybody, and eventually her birth mother and adoptive parents all passed, which completely left her alone in the world. Which also was hugely detrimental to her mental health. Yeah, that means that makes Which she, yeah. at this point, still hadn't been appropriately treated for. Mm-hmm. Luckily, after years of fighting for her self-care, she was eventually placed on the correct medications. And after a total of 20 years living in this hospital, Marie was discharged from Danvers. She ended up meeting and marrying a guy named Joseph Balter, and she decided to use her history in Danvers, seeing mental health care from the side of the patient, to help drive her to pursue an education in psychology. She knew what it was like to live in a hospital where people would just wander around and be put into straitjackets and literally forgotten about, because that was a thing at Danvers. They're like, people would just be all over the goddamn place, and nobody yeah. knew anything that was going on. She literally firsthand had experience in the fucked upness of using experimental drugs on patient with incorrect diagnosis, too. I mean, everything is schizophrenia. Yeah. <laughs> so Marie Balter eventually got her master's from Harvard. Wow. Yeah. Can I say she, now? <laughs> yes. Okay. She ended up returning to Danvers. Oh, my God. I swear to God. <laughs> on the other side as an employee rather than the patient. And in 1988, she was named the hospital administrator and chief spokesperson. I mean, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. When she initially left, it was important for her to go back to all the people she left behind. Like, that was something that everybody in her family said about her. They're like, she knew that she had gotten the help that she needed to be able to live her life. Mm -hmm. But she did have a little bit of, like, she did have guilt for leaving all these people that she had literally lived with for 20 fucking years through some pretty formative times in her life because she didn't have a family who gave a fuck about her. Right. That's so sad. Yeah. Like they became her family and she felt bad for her. her. (laughs) Right. She felt bad for having to leave. And she was like, fuck you guys. I'm going to do what I need to do to actually be able to help these people that I care about. what bothers me in my education? Tell me. Yeah, I'm going to. Is that I spend time researching all of these super outdated, non, like, not practice procedures and psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors who change medicine. Mm -hmm. They're all white old men. Yep. (laughs) Which doesn't doesn't apply to everyone because different um, ethnicities, like, Mm -hmm. diversity is a thing in mental health and, and, like, just normal health. Like, you can have, you can be pre, like, what is it, um... 
not like preconditioned, but like predisposed. Yes, to certain things based on like your yeah. diverse background. Right. Okay. All of that's been ignored. What the fuck am I not learning about really cool people that have like just one fucking paper or like a discussion post? Like, hey, go find someone that's not some famous fucking doctor that like right. discovered something yeah. or used these practices and like tell me about this person. I think that'd be great. That would be great. Like I could I could talk about this person, but I don't learn about this person. No, I learn about fucking Freud. Crusty old white guy. I don't want to learn about him anymore. I am, he's kind of rapey. <laughs> like, he really is. I don't want to learn about him anymore. That's, that's my... Uh, it's fair. It's your soapbox. My quick take. <laughs> I like it. Well, Marie Balter did write a book that you can read. What? Yeah. All right. So, Tell me the title. I'm looking up on Amazon right now. I'm buying it's, it. <laughs> it's titled Nobody's Child. Perfect. She was a co-author. And after her husband passed, she ended up moving in with one of her friends who was, like, also a widow, and eventually found out the friend she ended up moving in with, her mom was a nurse at Danvers who helped essentially, like, raise her. Oh. And someone's like, that's so nice. Literally, she credits her with helping her survive. God, there's so many. While she was in Danvers. So, Marie Balsam. Yeah, I know. Nobody's <laughs> child. <laughs> found it finally. So in 1991, it was decided that Danvers State Hospital would close, and by June of 1992, the final patients were removed from the hospital to be placed in other mental health facilities in the hopes that they would get the care they needed and not be lost in the shuffle of fucking 2,000 patients. And actually get the appropriate care, I would hope, also. Right. I mean, we're getting closer to yeah. newer forms of medicine. Right. <laughs> Eventually, the building that is Danvers was sold to developers, and there, like most of the other buildings on the property were demolished. A few remained and are renovated into apartments that you can actually fuck, live in. Fuck no. <laughs> the outside, so the main building still stands, and it looks like... Does it still look like a bat? It looks super scary. I couldn't find any pictures from up top. Damn. But it looks super scary, but like... Turns out it was an inspiration for H.P. Lovecraft's Arkham Sanatorium. Oh. Yeah. I've actually have never been exposed to any of his or whatever works. Well, their works. <laughs> he came up with, or they came up with Arkham Sanatorium, which also, fun fact, one thing you will have come into contact with is where they got Arkham Asylum from Batman. I am so familiar with that one. Indirectly, <laughs> Arkham Asylum was roughly based on Danvers State Hospital. Oh, it's also shaped like a bat. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it all comes together. Full circle. Full fucking circle. <laughs> Arkham's terrible. So, so. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that is the story, the brief history of Danvers State Hospital, which, like I said, you can find out a ton on danversstatehospital.com. Like, they have pictures. They have all kinds of good shit on that website. They have a whole thing. We like, found two more places to go visit. Right? On our tour. I saw, um, like, I was scrolling through the tabs, and they are like, Marie Balder. And I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is, but okay, I'll circle back there, I guess. And then I, like, actually read through, and I was like, holy fuck. She did the damn thing. You pick such happy stories. <laughs> I mean, not all the time. Last week, I did a kind of shitty one, so... I know. And this just, one, I was like, fuck yeah. Your happy Positivity. stories are always so happy. <laughs> it really is. Like, this is... This, honestly, like, I think this is the happiest asylum story you can have. Like, she yeah. was there. Like, she had a fucked up life that landed her there. She went... She left. She went back because she knew she hadn't, like, gotten the treatment slash didn't have anywhere else to go. And it's also that she advocated for herself, then, too. To be yeah. like, 
care for me or pope like don't fix me right. but like like cure me like, right. like don't help me figure yes. out what i need that was the other thing that they pointed out about her was the fact that I think I mentioned earlier, she did finish high school while she was there, yes. which wasn't normally allowed mm. for them to leave, like, for patients to leave the premises while they were getting treatment. And she was like, no, like, I need to do this. And if you keep me from graduating from high school, you're going to stop me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So let me fucking finish this. Otherwise, this is going to be just one more problem that I have to figure out how to fix later. That's awesome. Yeah, she's a fucking amazing person. My new hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you would like her. Yeah, I do. I don't know why I don't learn about people that do really cool things. Well, now you have. I told you about one of I them. I know, I know. <laughs> you could tell your teacher, be like, mm, my friend Tiffany. I have a recommendation. Told me you. about this lady, so. Well, I'm hoping now because my it. classes are back in psychology and it's a master's, I will be introduced and exposed to more in depth yeah. things than just like. Here's Freud for, like, the millionth time, and yeah. this is what they did, or the fucking dogs that, like, drool. Pavlov. Yeah, I can't, like, do you know how many times I've written papers about that? It's so stupid. <laughs> no, I, okay, I get it. We can, we can make people think things and do things. Right. <laughs> like, can we do something else Also, now? you could learn that from a Tumblr post. It's true. It's because true. they talk about that shit all the fucking time, or the girl with the happy clicker. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that post? Yes. Yeah. Like, I just... It's I'm excited thing. for sex therapy. <laughs> Something new. <laughs> I don't That's know any fair. sex therapists. That's so true. You know, like, we don't, how do we study them? I don't know, but it sounds like you're going to. I Maybe hope. I should become a teacher when I retire. I'll retire into education, and I will teach my students about psychologists and doctors that they've never heard of. Yes. <laughs> the unknown yeah. course. Yes. That's actually it's called, the unknown course. Exactly. Every course is different. Well, Depends what I'm feeling. And then everybody gets like, everybody's like, I don't know if I want to sign up for this because we don't fucking know. Or do I really want to fucking sign up for this? They also have to get like know. an interview for me to agree for them to be in the class too. I oh. got to get a vibe for them. And it's, all, and it's like, only like an in-class. Like you can't do it virtual. Like it's only, yeah. you have to This is like some fucking how to get away with murder shit. <laughs> Like, you better be fucking glad that a space opened up for you, because otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'll be a doctor, and then I'll retire, but I obviously won't want to, like, be retired. Well, you retire at, like, the age of 42, while you're still young enough to enjoy good shit. (laughs) There you go. And live a good life, but then you'll become a teacher slash professor. Well, yeah, that's what I want to be, is professor. If I were, I mean, I, I... if I'm going to get a doctorate, I better fucking oh, be fuck a professor. Yeah. I mean, I was a fucking college professor. Like, I was an adjunct professor. Like, I know you can have a, like, I had a, a teacher in high school that was, it was Dr. E. Like, yeah. he, he did the thing. But, like, I don't want to teach I don't want to teach high school. <laughs> Go and get my doctorate Which, or something. all of that to say, if that's what you choose to oh. do, more power to you. But Lindsay Absolutely. would actually, like, potentially murder teenagers Probably. because she'd be like you guys are fucking idiots you need to fucking stop this bullshit my class would be the hardest class there ever Honestly. was so when i taught it would be juniors yeah that's what like that's that's your yeah. year that really fucks you over is your junior because that's nice. the year that everyone looks at for your college admissions and like hmm, mm-hmm. you need me <laughs> so uh yeah it depends on you your success yeah and how much you want to kiss my fucking ass <laughs> No, mine, when I taught, I was like, listen, just 
You're so nice. Do the assigned reading. I was literally like, do the assigned reading. And like the first day students were complaining about me. Why? I don't know. What's wrong with the reading? I don't know. But I was like, you have to do the reading. And you have like all of their classes, like the program I was teaching in was a vet tech program. So fascinating. And they were like, you have to be there like attendance is mandatory but my class was at the end of the day and I was teaching large animal and none like pretty much nobody had interest in it so people would constantly fucking skip my class oh and I, oh, would, I remember that yeah and yeah. I would turn in grades and like the department supervisor would be like oh you're missing grades for x and x and x and I was like no I'm not they didn't take it and she was like um what and I was like, yeah, they people just don't, don't fucking show up for my class a lot because nobody gives a fuck about it. And she was like, well, they should know. And I was like, well, I don't know what the fuck to tell you, dude. Like, I'm teaching the class. I'm here. Everybody I thought, else like, if you not. don't show up for, like, three classes, you get kicked from the class. You were supposed to, but they were super lenient. I get, like, I get... Well, they were super lenient if they liked you. Mm-hmm. And that's... You also did... I mean, I went to community college, too, but yeah. you taught at one, so they're probably more lenient than... Well, also, like, it was a very small program. So, like I said, like, if they liked you, they let you skate by and mm-hmm. would just sign off on shit. Whereas if they didn't like you, they would drop you from the program the first opportunity they had. So, it was really a lot about your personality, which is part of the reason why I don't do that anymore. Because I'm kind of like, I'm not here for some bullshit. Did Either you go do there? the work or don't. Nope. Yeah. Uh, so, weekly verdicts. Favorite things yeah. from this week. I like this drink. <laughs> That's not going to be mine. <laughs> you should oh. drink it. You'd be drunk. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little bit buzzed. You'd be on my level. <laughs> um, Weekly verdict. My favorite thing this week is that I got more information about one of my potential plans for next year. Woo! I know these plans. And it's... I think I know these plans. You do. Okay. <laughs> and... Just, like, there are a lot of big things that are coming next year, and there are things that I don't even know fully about, but I'm excited about. And I got more information about one of them that I was basically like, this isn't going to be a thing because I probably can't do it, mostly because I've never done anything like it before, slash nobody that I know personally, like, on a really personal level has done it. Do you have a lot of resources? On the scale before. Yeah. a lot of different aspects that you could definitely, like, use. I do, like... I'm very lucky and privileged, and I think that's something that I have become even more so aware of this week, like, different support coming from different people, and even, like, my mom was, like, I'm so fucking in love with this idea, which she didn't say, but that was the subtext, because Stephanie's a classy lady, and so I think that's just what I'm excited about, I guess, overall, when you get down to the finer points, is the amount of support that I have in my life, that even if I have ideas that I think are like crazy or that other people would probably be like oh that's an idea I'm gonna ignore it or even myself and another time in my life would be like that's a cool idea but I'm gonna ignore that because there's no way I could ever do that I'm at a point in my life now where it's like I know I've surrounded myself with people who actually support me and give a shit and believe in me and so that's my favorite thing this week that was a lot. I understand. <laughs> it was so heartfelt. But like I did said, I did shots at breakfast. <laughs> and now okay. I have this. This drink was delicious, though. I could have ordered this at, like, a downtown That's bar. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, this so is a drink good. that yeah. could be ordered. Like, it's, it's fucking good, but it's not a drink that I would order. No, no, no. It was a drink I would order. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for this us would be to come a home and make him this drink. That you'd Correct. be like... Do you want to try it? It's so good. And I'd be like, fuck no. no. <laughs> All right. My weekly verdicts. 
So, funny enough, it's got to do with Taylor Swift. (sighs) So, I wasn't super in love with the with the two albums Mm -hmm. that she just put out. Okay, because I can't, I can't hit, I can't feel the The, the that emotional drainage. Right. Yeah. Um, but last night, me and Alex were listening to it because I, the TikTok thing, I, I, yeah. Yeah. So we were listening to the songs and they were playing and stuff. And I was just like, I'm really, I like, I like the songs because like they don't fit now, but they fit back when like I needed them. So like, mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We're just kind of dealing with our personal life bullshit right now. It's the end of the year. Also, it's the holidays. <laughs> So, uh, you want to do your first responders unit? Our first responders unit? So, yeah. I have to think about what that means still. It's social media. It's still, I know. Okay. I, okay. I, it registered, but it's still so new. If you guys want more information slash to see the pictures of this beautiful drink that Lindsay put together, if you haven't already seen them yet, you can find them on our Instagram at Luminol Cocktail Pod. You can also find them on our Facebook at Luminol Cocktail Podcast. And then our website is luminolcocktail.com. And you can actually find um, the exact amount of ingredients for these drinks there. It's listed under cocktail of the week. You can, like I said, hit us up on social media. You can also email if you have an idea. I feel like it's been a little while since we've plugged the email. Of course, you can send us a message through our Website. website. Absolutely, yeah. So that is a good way to get in contact with us. Another way is to email us, luminalcocktailpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear your ideas. If you have an idea for a theme or if you're like, hey, here's this cool thing, send it our way. Yeah. Otherwise, we will look forward to serving you guys another round of Luminal Cocktails next week.